0: His kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while.
1: Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. Talking baseball, Klazuski and Panella. Talking baseball, the man and Bobby Thelma, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. Omaha, from to Dubuque, especially okay, yes, sir. Welcome to the Man On Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game production. I should say the rapidly growing Real Voices of the Game production because we are expanding, we're growing. Uh, this is really taking legs and it's all pretty exciting. And one of the reasons why. Is because of the guests we have today and the content that we are producing. Uh, as always, we are joined by co-host producer Dave D'Agostino. And um, this week, uh, we're actually we're doing something a little different. Last week we had John Hughes, the the long time and well respected scout with the Oakland A's. This week he has his we have his son Justin, who is the bullpen catcher for the Oakland A's. But before we bring Dustin in. Uh, we're going to bring Dave in with some announcements. Dave, what's going on? It seems like yeah. a
0: lot. Yeah, we do. We, we we will have a new announcement on Monday, but uh, episode 415 today, uh, just want to thank a couple of sponsors. One is Jaw Bats. They'll be the newest bat company certified for Major League Baseball. At checkout, if you want one of their great maple bats, Jeff Fry's using one at Fantasy Camp this week. My son Tanner has been using his. They love it. They said it's a, uh, I think Tanner has an M110 model. Uh, very very evenly distributed, uh, loves the grains on it, loves the feel, loves the art on it too. Um, RVG at checkout, all caps, will get you 15% off anything on their website. Uh, Blackout Coffee, Be Awake Not Woke. Uh, if you want to get 20% off on your first purchase, you can use Joe's code, which is, is it F 20
1: Yeah, all caps, JoeF, F J O E F and the number 20.
0: Yep. F 20 and then after that, use Joe's link to get 15% off in perpetuity. Um, and we've got two other ad reads, so I've asked the audience to sit tight. 90 seconds an ad read. Please don't skip through. Um, let's support the people that are supporting us and our growth here. It's closing in on 64,000 subscribers today. This is the middle of a triple header Thursday. So, um, But before we get to Liquid IV and Zencaster, just want to congratulate our group, Joe. We are now up for two podcasting awards for a sports podcast group. For production groups, are all of our podcasts uh, are up for an award right now. And we're up against the likes of Fox and ESPN, all the big dogs out there.
2: Oh, that's and good.
0: Um, so, but if, and if we do get the awards, we will be allowed to keep them. They will be honest. They will be uh, up up there. Everybody's <laughs> names will be spelled. The right. <laughs> yeah, ESPN jab there, and then our flagship show, Coach and Kernis, is up for an individual podcast award. So, uh, very uh, very lucky to be recognized there, and we're up against guys like uh, Whitlock and Cowherd. So. I don't know what our chances are, but at least we're being recognized right now. So um, we appreciate all you guys do. And and again, like you said, it's because of the great guests that we have as well. And with that, here's our first ad, Liquid IV, followed up by Zencaster. So hang on tight here. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. Their hydration multiplier is a great-tasting non-GMO electrolyte drink mix powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water alone. Hydration isn't only for people training for championships and marathons. It's about daily maintenance. I use it when I travel, watch my kids play in soccer or basketball games, for back-to-back conference calls, or even neighborhood walks. Proper functional hydration is essential, and Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. For me, it's the Liquid IV flavors. They offer 12 unique flavors. From strawberry lemonade to concord grape, my favorite, acai berry. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins with three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks. It's made from quality ingredients, non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. That's why I'm asking you take a look at this this is for real people it's got real flavors it's real hydrating and you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code rvg at checkout that's 20% off anything you order when you stop when you shop better hydration today using our promo code rvg at liquidiv.com Zencaster how to start podcasting with Zencaster it's now The all-in-one solution making podcasting easy. It's the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Being a creator has never been easier. Why did I choose Zencaster? Three years ago, I had never listened to a podcast. Now I've successfully produced almost 400 podcasts in the last two and a half years, all using ZenCaster, and it's so easy. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio quality sound and up to 4,000 videos with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing ZenCaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. And it's all in one. If you have thought about podcasting before and realize that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. What am I asking from you? Go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code, all capitals RVG, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. All right, Joe, I'll turn it over to you now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks, Dave, for all, all those announcements. A lot going on. And as I noted at the top of the show, our special guest today, Dustin Hughes, Oakland A's bullpen catcher. Uh, I find that job, I, you know, all teams have them. Uh, it's a job that you don't hear a lot about because uh, people don't really, you know, they just see the guys out there in the bullpen who's warming them up, and uh, they don't really know their backstories. A uh, little research, Dustin played um, – he was a catcher at Northgate Walnut Creek. Uh, the Marlins actually in 2002 drafted Dustin in the late rounds, but he opted to go to junior college. Uh, he bounced around and he landed um, in this role and and worked his way up to big leagues. Dustin, uh, excuse me, Dustin, uh, welcome to the show and and kind of give people a little a little indication of that of that path of obviously your dad's in the in the sport forever on the scouting side. How did you? You were a player. How did you kind of find your path going the the, the catching route?
2: Well, uh, first off, thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Um, so it's funny. I I loved. I got into catching because I loved the gear, <laughs> and it kind of sparked my interest. Uh, my dad has done pitching for years, so when he would do his lessons, I just always catch and get extra work in. And uh little did I know that would end up being my career is warming up guys in the bullpen. Um my path, I uh I got started in Sacramento with the Rivercats. I was just about twenty-four years old. Um I was battling if I should go back to Canada and play another another year there, which was just kind of a summer ball team. Um, but then I got a job opportunity from a guy named Todd Steverson. He was a manager for the Sacramento Rivercats uh, that year, and he was looking for a bullpen catcher. I decided that for me to get to the next level, this is a good opportunity to get my foot in the door. Um, from there, I ended up helping him with uh, his daily duties as far as hitting ground balls, throwing batting practice, really making sure I facilitate all the pitchers on what they need. Um, I worked with him for from 2008 to 2014. Uh, then the A's were the team that were in Sacramento. They ended up moving to Nashville, which I was let go at that point, which was a blessing in disguise because one of my dad's buddies, uh, Brian Price, I just happened to ask him if he could check out my resume for me, see if there was any way that he could push me in the right directions. I just didn't want to send him, send it out to teams. Um, And then it just gets pushed on the wayside. And I ended up getting hired in 2015 with the Cincinnati Reds. And that is the start of my big league career right there. Um, And I was with the Reds from 2015 to 2018 and then when Brian Price got let go, unfortunately, I was part of that as well. Then I, you know, you meet people throughout the business and you create connections. And I reached out to one of my friends, which is Brandon Hyde. And he had just gotten hired with the Baltimore Orioles. And they were looking for a bullpen catcher. So I just kind of slid right over there for For one season, which was the 2019 season, I absolutely loved it over there. Great coaching staff, great people. But then I had the opportunity to come home, which is California. I'm from the Bay Area. Um, And Bob Melvin was looking for a bullpen catcher to fill in over there. And I said, what a great opportunity to get back to my family. So I took that in 2020. I was very lucky to be able to go to the playoffs with them in 2020 as well. Um, and then uh, I've been with the A's from 2020 to present, which the manager now is Mark Kotze.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's a great story. And, uh, you know, just to, on the personal, from my end, just how if you do like a six degrees of, of a sport, um, Brandon Hyde, who I, I knew well because he was in the Marlins system, and I have... You know, my background, I've covered the Marlins for over 20 years. And and in those years, as the full-time beat writer for MLB.com, uh, Brandon from the minor league system, and obviously when he was on the, on the big league staff. But when he was in the minor league system, my son, who's currently a scout with Arizona Diamondbacks, right as he was heading into high school, uh, there was a clinic going up on up at Jupiter. And Brandon Hyde and Joe Espada both worked with, my son. And here you got two, four, you know, now current big league managers worked with my boy when he was, you know, probably 13, 14. And at that clinic, Reed Cornelius, who is in the Rockies, I believe, organization, uh, he he worked my son with my son a little bit on pitching. So, you know, I just love and, and, and the fact that you're able to work with your dad uh, for the same organization, I, I just feel you know, no sport is like baseball, Dustin, in my mind, in terms of connecting father to son and family like like baseball. And I always am fascinated, I hope our audience is, by how the world kind of intertwines of baseball and just what a privilege it is to do that. And just speak to that, to be at the organization with your dad.
2: You know, it is funny because we've, we've always joked about it. Like, oh, what if we would work with each other and then we're – we think about it like, oh, they'd never do that. They'd never have two Hughes's on the same same team. Well, it, it's funny because I got I got the job opportunity with the A's, and then they ended up knocking on his door asking him if he wanted a job. And we uh, we signed our contracts on the same day at the same time, which is really cool to be able to sign your contract and see your dad signing his at the same time. Um it's it truly is a blessing to be able to work with my dad, and it couldn't be a better organization to do it with. They really treat you like family. Um, you really get to know the ins and outs of everyone that you work with, which is truly special.
1: No, no doubt, no okay. doubt. And you know, talk about just you know when you're transitioning because you, I you know, imagine like everyone. You wanted to play in the big leagues. What was that like when you realized that you weren't going to wear the catcher's gear as a player and that, you know, a path other than actually playing nine innings (laughs) that you're going to be on the end of, uh, you know, working in the sport in another capacity? How was that mentally for you? and, And, you know, how did you kind of handle those years?
2: It was it was hard at the beginning because you're so used to being out there and playing, and that's all you want to do. Uh, you just kind of have to shift your love for the game for the other side on the other side of the line. I mean, you get into this game wanting to help people, and make them better, um, and I knew that was kind of my avenue. Um, yes, I, I was I was a good catcher. I just wasn't great defense or offensively. Um, but for me, I just, you just kind of shift your focus into being like, Hey, I really want to push these guys to get to the next level and be the best that they can and realize that that's your craft and really zone in on that. Yeah. Um, um
1: go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry.
2: And, and plus it is that you start, you start realizing that you're in love with the position. Even though I don't get to go on the field and play every day, I still get to warm up the same guys when they're going into the game. I get to prepare them mentally if it comes to scouting reports. Just really, you get to read the player on a different, different side of the of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it is fascinating. Tell your tell our audience what exactly. The bullpen catcher does. It might sound self-explanatory, but kind of just fill people in on you know what on a typical day of of uh, game day. We'll we'll talk about spring training because that's going to be even harder for you. But what's the day like? Seven o'clock game or whatever. Where when you at the ballpark and what are you doing?
2: Okay, so we'll go first game of a series, seven o'clock night game. Uh, Let's say we fly in from somewhere. We get in about. Eight o'clock. I'll drive home to Sacramento because that's where I live, and then I'll start. I'll start my day with the morning with the kids at eight. I'll end up driving to from Sacramento to Oakland at about nine. I'll get to the field about eleven thirty, um, and this is for a night game. From there, you kind of find out what early work you have going on, so you can facilitate the coaches. Because my main job is to make sure that I can make things easier for the coaching staff. Any hiccup that might happen, I can smooth it out. I put out all the equipment that they need. So I find out what early work we have, what the schedule looks like, and then I'll break it down uh, from what baseballs are going to need, what machines we will need for any type of early work, what time the sides are going on as far as the bullpens for the starters. Um, and then I'll do my normal bag ball check is what I call it. You got to go through all the, the pitchers bags to the position player throwing bags to the batting practice bags. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it as far as the bag check. It's just the, the, we use a ton of baseballs, which is crazy, but it's, it's fun to be the one that goes through them and is the quality control. um, because there is you know, there's always the MLB standard that you you gotta
0: uphold. Dustin, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you're 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 checking for actual baseballs in their bags. Is that right?
2: Well the thing is is inside of our, we have each bag for each group, like the pitchers, they'll have their bullpen balls that they throw with that are that are rubbed up. Every pitcher throws with a rubbed up baseball if it's playing catch to throw it off the mound. It's just a consistency. So we got to make sure that none of those are scuffed up or old, so we change them out. Uh, Position players, they'll play play catch with brand-new baseballs every day. They don't have to be rubbed up, so you take all the old ones out of there. Um, Then we'll make a rotation from our batting practice bag. We'll take the old ones that are just a little too damaged, um, and we will rotate them into the the infield bag, which is for any infield drills that we have. And then those balls go to the cage that we filter in there, which it's, it's crazy. Just (laughs) the different paths that the baseballs take as far as going from being a pearl to being hit and just how they circulate. And then next thing you know, we box them off and donate them to little leagues.
1: Well, that's awesome. Um, Dave uh Dustin uh Dave's son play play catcher and I'm sure he wants to jump in with a with a question about catching I'm sure Dave
0: oh. well, Yeah any, anything with that I, that was to me I was thinking like I don't know if you remember this joke Dustin you're too young but if you remember those things on Saturdays it was how a bill becomes a law It was on like Saturday in, in the middle of the cartoons I was thinking of that as you were talking about how the baseball travels along the the path and uh that's a, that's when you were talking ball I thought you were Guys were stealing balls, but that's a little bit more systematic and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, interesting there. But so, my question is: I'll, I'll get to the, the catching with my son a little bit later, but because um, he wrote down some questions for me for you. But with so, you, you obviously you want to take advantage of the position you have, and you want to appreciate the position you have. Most coaching positions, whether it's in, I coached collegiately for twenty years, you kind of know a path that you're taking to become um, you know, head coach, if that's the ultimate goal or in baseball, uh, you know, a manager with the bullpen position right now, what's the logical, if there is a logical next step and if there's not, what's kind of your thoughts on where you'd like to take this experience? If you, if, you know, if you don't mind sharing,
2: you know, I, I I love this experience. I love where I'm at, but you are right. You do want to become a manager at some point. Um, it's been in the talk, it just kind of depends if it's the right step for me um, and for my family. But I would, I would love to manage somewhere in the minor leagues and work my way up to to coaching in the big leagues at some point. I mean, I I'm a coach's assistant right now. I mean, I make sure that everyone is completely taken care of. Um, so I, I, I yeah, I would love to manage and just take on that role in everything that comes with it. I just think it would be a ton of fun. I mean, even and a ton of hard work, but just to watch the growth of these kids and to be able to put out a lineup every day and go through the everyday struggles with these kids. I mean, it would, it would be a blast.
1: You know, don't
0: discount uh, the experiences you're going through either, because what we see a lot, and we talk about this on the network a lot with the different shows, there are a lot of people in and in and out of baseball that are jumping into positions that they just don't have the necessary experiences to have success in. And hey, again, I'm older; I'm 50 years old. When I started coaching, uh, I coached college basketball. You know, you sweep the floor, you drive the bus, you you know, you're the academic tutor. You you do everything, and that's how you learn. So. Um, nobody at any point in time when I became a head coach, a division one head coach when I was 28, there was not a single member on the staff that could ever complain about doing anything because I did everything that they were asked to do at some point in time. So I, I think it's valuable experience that you're doing um everything from the the way you talked about the baseball journey That's stuff that's going to be it's going to make you a better skipper someday so joy I didn't mean to cut you off Go ahead. no
1: no what i was going to say dave and and dustin's well aware uh it's really kind of the manager position of the positions you know and there's no secret there's been so many great former catchers who are current or former big league managers obviously bruce Bochi among the among the most notable uh so, Dustin, talk about that aspect of it, the perspective, because you're the one seeing the game, looking at the field. Everyone else on the field is looking towards the batter. So from that vantage point, what is unique about that and why, you know, what talk about what you see from that lens in, of the sport.
2: As far as being a catcher and just being able to see that vision of the yeah, field. Yeah,
1: just obviously, you know, it's a – you. The, all the duties the catcher has, obviously, and, and knowing, you know, setting the infields when runners on, uh, uh, holding runners or, you know, and all this stuff, uh, you know, just, just that and, and why that aspect of the sport is why so many former catchers are managers.
2: I, I think it's just because you're, you're always staring. You're seeing everything go on right in front of you. The whole game's just playing in front of you. I mean, it's nice. You, you're you're one of the coaches on the field. You you have that extra eye. Um, you can see the base runners and maybe little tendencies that they have that you can communicate with your infielders. Um, it's it's nice, especially when it comes to pitcher pitching. You're another coach out there for those guys. You're rooting for them as hard as the coaches are. I mean, you're out there to calm them down and really make sure that they're they're mentally into this game. It's very hard to get distracted are uh, very easy to get distracted. I'm sorry. It's very hard to keep your mind on on the goal. Um but I I think it's very very key a uh, key thing just visually watching the game unfold in front of you over and over that helps with the management, especially coming from a catcher turning into a manager. Um it's just it's it's a cool game. It never gets boring. There's always something every day that surprises you, um, especially behind the plate. And the other thing is you learn how to you learn how to handle umpires um as a catcher to where that helps you, especially when it comes to <laughs> maybe widening the strike zone a little bit, creating a relationship with that guy. Same thing that coaches do. You really you learn what you can say to him and what you can't. So the next time that you have them behind there, you can really set up your picture to succeed.
1: Wow. Yeah. Dustin, kind of take us through what, you know, just so our audience can get a feel for it, because I I've covered a sport over 20 years, seeing it at a real intimate way and and i'm thinking ahead in a, in a couple of weeks you know spring training is going to start with what pitchers and catchers reporting and what all teams will have guy i don't know what uh, if there's 60 guys in camp probably 35 of them seem to be pitchers and there's yeah. catchers or a lot of them are on the roster just to catch all those bullpens that are being thrown as guys are getting ready so you know take us through like how many different guys like in spring training will you be catching in a typical let's say two hours morning workout
2: okay so the, yeah there, there's a fair amount of guys that i will catch uh morning workouts will probably start at 8 30 and i'll be out there um we'll start with just the regular throwing i pick up anyone that needs to play long toss if they don't have a partner then i will uh catch flat grounds. Which are just me up short, so they can work on really hitting their spots, getting down in the zone, um, getting out in front, and then I'll we'll go over to the bullpen, and everyone kind of has a set time. So I'll catch usually anywhere to three to four guys a day, if not more. And, that's, and how that's just And they what? Dream, they throw dream. about
1: fifteen to twenty. I know they build up, but day one is pretty much what about fifteen or so.
2: Yeah. Fifteen I would say starting pitchers are more about twenty five. Uh-huh. Just they, they need to ramp up a little bit more because their first outing, they'll have about forty pitches in yeah. the game.
1: Yeah. Um, so you're you're absorbing in an age of velocity. <laughs> yes,
2: your hand I am.
1: your hand is uh how fast does it get calloused enough that okay, I I'm, I'm good.
2: <laughs> Not fast enough. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's. It has gotten faster and faster over the years, and it's it's fun, but you really need to pay attention now. You can't you can't be distracted when it comes to catching the ball coming in that fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, for, yeah. So I think I hope our audience and and Dave speak to this because. You know, when you're when you're working with kids, how many times are your catchers wearing pretty much gear? Maybe not the chest protector at that time, but uh, with the catcher's glove playing long toss. So they are they doing that, Dave? You know,
0: with my guys. Yeah. So my my son, Tanner, catches. But, you know, I get I get concerned about him being typecast as a catcher. He's you know, he's he's growing now. He's 13. He's an eighth grader. He's he's at five nine, which is he sprouted up the last year. But I get concerned about him being a catcher. I want, just like we talk about multiple sports, I want him to play multiple positions. Um, you know, he's a, he's a shortstop also. I have him play the outfield sometimes. He plays up on, on our older teams. But uh, I want him to be athletic back there. I don't want him to be, just be typecast at that. It, and it's helped him, I think. He's also a basketball player. He's played futsal and soccer. Um, he's played football. So it's all those things combined. We, we talk about multiple sports. I also want him to play be, play multiple positions out there. But at heart, he's a catcher. That's the way he sees the game. He enjoys calling games, um, enjoys that communication. Like you said, Dustin, with the umpires, enjoys commanding a field um, out there. And um, so I like that from him. It's his personality uh, in, in the such. But uh, playing other spots is important. But, yeah, when he plays long toss, all things being equal, he's grabbing that catcher's mitt when he does it. So without without instruction on that. So. It tells me what he what he likes the best. So I have to make him use his shortstop gloves sometimes out there. <laughs> Dustin, were you a multi-position athlete, multi-sport athlete? What was your... What's uh, your yes,
2: I did baseball and football. Wasn't that great at basketball, but really loved football. Just to play it at a competitive, like as competitive as college, I would have never been a college football player. But I I think it's... I think it's great. I think kids need to get out there and play as many many sports as they can. I mean, it helps your athletic ability a lot. Hey, what's what's your training now? You, when you're talking about
0: catching these guys in the day, all these guys, um, you, you got to be putting your body through uh, some some taxing. Um, just every day's got to be taxing on you, I would imagine. What is your workout regimen like to prepare for a season? Is it any different than it would be as a player? Are you doing you know prehab rehab after catching stints um what, What's your training regimen like
2: i I traded just like back when I was playing i I like to get there early, get my workout in get take care of myself, get my stretching done um yeah, there's a lot of working out that goes into it because that a the age is is going up and the body is breaking down, so you've got to really make sure you don't let that thing tighten up. I mean, um, but yes, I work, I work out a lot. I'll work out about five days a week. Uh, I'll do my rehab almost every day. I mean, because we we get, during the season, we get four days off a month. So it's go, go, go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're, you're in a crouch position a lot, obviously, and, and doing all that's involved in that. Uh, How much is uh, the advancement of just, you know, guys in the ice tub? You know, within the last, uh, I don't know how many years, but it it seems a lot of the catchers spend a lot of time in there.
2: Yes, everyone has their their routines. A lot of guys, I should say a fair amount of the guys, do the the contrast, the hot-cold contrast, which will go in the cold tub for about three minutes and hot tub for about three minutes and do three rounds of that, which is a little bit nicer considering you get the hot tub for a little bit to warm up. But yeah, no. Everyone still uses the cold tub. I mean, I think it's key. It's great for recovering.
1: Yeah, a good stuff there, um, uh, Dave. Any specifics on on the techniques?
0: Yeah, Dustin. With you know, I, you, you know, there's the the new stuff that's going on right now with you know kids going uh, kids going on one knee. They're seeing it at the major league level. You're seeing glove working up from the ground up, kind of snatching. Uh, sh- snatching strikes, I guess balls into strikes what's what 's your approach back there when you 're trying to get you 're trying to work a pitcher out uh, different than what the catcher's like in the game? I would imagine being on two legs all day is is exhausting so i 'm assuming you 're switching off to to one knees, but in terms of a strategic catcher you 're giving advice to a young kid right now. What would your advice be in terms of the the one knee two knee working from the ground up uh, with the glove or any other nuances that you 're seeing and trending and catching now?
2: So I will say to catchers that I strongly believe that you need to be able to catch with two knees before you start this one knee catching just to, your mobility back there to be able to move around. Um, I, I'm not opposed to the one knee catching. I really like how you can, you can expand the zone, especially the bottom part of the zone. Uh, at the beginning, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not too sure about this. I mean, but if you think about it, your glove always drops down and it comes back up. Now you're just starting it on the ground and you're you're just snatching it back up and you're getting a ton of more calls on the bottom, bottom of the strike zone. Um, so I, as far as me as a catcher, I like to do exactly what the catchers are doing right now. I want to be able to field as well so I can help them as far as the catchers and visually the catcher or the pitchers are seeing the same thing that they're getting out on the field. Yeah.
0: And what's, what's the communication like now you're there, you obviously have a job to do. Let's say it's, let's say it's pregame. You have a job to do to, to, to either get that pitcher prepared or during the game when middle guys are getting up and closes are getting up, what's your communication path um, over the course of a game, let's say with either the, the skipper or the, the in-game catcher, in-game pitcher? Uh, what, what's that dialogue expected from of you?
2: So we have scouting reports. We'll go over them on the iPads that we have in the bullpen with the players and really make sure that they're, they're in tune to what batters are coming up and what innings and who they are probably going to face. Uh, most of the guys already know who they're going to face because uh, it's kind of set up in – the pre-game meeting meetings that happen at the first game of a series so you already know your matchups um but it's just one making them feel as as comfortable as possible it can be very very difficult sometimes especially with the large crowds it gets loud and just to make sure that they're they're calm and comfortable you catch them a lot throughout the season and spring training so you you notice these little things that they do that oh you're like oh no you got to fix this real quick and it could just you could maybe just tap on your shoulder or something maybe they're flying open too early and they know because you have those little trigger points that you you talk to them about say hey if i do this it means check in on this like if i put my gloves down it means take a deep breath real quick slow down Uh, there's little keys that you can do to make sure that they stay on track our bullpen coaches are very, very huge when it comes to the scouting reports and making them know the do's and don'ts of where you want to throw the ball. Yeah.
1: Dustin, when, talk, um, I'm sorry, David, do you have a follow?
2: No, you yeah, have. Go ahead, ahead jump.
1: I was going to say, Dustin, talk a little bit about the, the, the pitch comp, you know, the communication, the device that, you know, to get the catcher and the pitch, pitcher to be able to communicate a little bit uh, different than the signs uh talk about that and um do you use that in early when do you when in spring training will you start using that or is that more of the game thing how's that kind of phased in
2: so since it's new technology we try to have our our guys in there to start learning it as as soon as they get to spring training it's uh it's it's difficult to get used to i mean you've learned your whole life to put fingers down and do it this way uh, do it that way and now you're Asking us to do it on a a keypad, um, and then you got to cover it up and get used to the right buttons. And yeah, it's it. We bring it up at spring training and we really pound it into the guys to get get used to it. We'll throw with it in in our bullpens to where pitchers will call their pitches or vice versa. Usually the veterans, as far as pitchers, they'll call their own game. Um. And then with their younger pitchers, usually the catcher will call the game. But it, it's cool. You know what? At the, that's another one of those things, just like the one knee catching. I was skeptical about it at the beginning, but it gets the pace the game going a little quicker. Um, and it's nice having the infielders on the same page as well, because I believe there's four or five that go out into the, into the field. So the yeah, pitcher, catcher, the
1: shortstop,
2: short sure.
1: was it the center fielder think, or was it just the infield? I couldn't remember a second base. I think it's well. just
2: I think it's just the infielders. Yeah. So I, I think, think the it's the middle base. guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's nice to get everyone involved and on the same page. So you don't constantly need to be looking in at the catcher. I mean, you can you can do pickoffs and pitch outs and all that stuff through it, which is very cool. I'm interested to see where it goes as these years go on. Yeah.
1: I can imagine too, from the catcher standpoint, cause they got to know everyone. Obviously catchers are dealing, you know, at the behest of the pitcher, the pitcher's personality, you know, which guys would adapt to the, the, the pitch calm a little bit better, which guys seem to maybe a little more frustrated by, it. you know, it's, it, it must be kind of interesting to, to see, uh, you know, uh, man they're they're really in sync or you know all those little intricacies in the game as as everyone kind of comes to grips with the communication because we all see it on tv oh one of the comms go out the pitcher's like oh the, you know the umpire's coming out they're taking out of their hat and someone runs in from the dugout <laughs> or the short you know it's just it's like the game within the game Yeah. You know? yes i'm sure you had some funny uh funny moments uh when that stuff happens um, But Uh, like you said, it
2: is, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's a panic because you want to keep it going and you're caught up in a moment and it usually always happens at the worst time possible. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's that's the way it is, right? That's <laughs> I know when I was like sports writing, it might be oh, like in the off season, not much is going on. And you have like a week or two, nothing's going on. Then all of a sudden they make four trades in one day. And it's like, you know, you can't even turn around. And it always seems to be that's that's kind of happened to be the nature of it. But I guess it's fascinating. Did, are they using that in college to pitch So I'm trying to think of how to. I'm, How the transitions going now from when the feeder systems get you guys to the pro ball?
2: See, I'm I'm not too sure. I I don't know if it's trickled down into college yet. Uh, I think it should. Just pace the game wise. I know they have the automatic strike zone. I believe. Yeah, they have the automatic strike zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you do know. they have the review?
1: They do have a review. They call-
2: yeah. Okay. They do I don't read know read if they have the automatic have strike read zone read. yet.
1: Yeah. Okay yeah sorry, about did that. you see any of the automatic the in, in, you know uh did you do any work or get feedback on that? I know they do it like the Arizona Fall League and things like that uh, um I you know I've
2: heard there's some ups and downs with it as far as rating the strike zone, the bottom of the strike zone and the depth and all that. um I do know they used it a little bit in triple a. I don't see it coming up to the big leagues any hopefully anytime soon. I don't know. I'm not really for it as of right now. I think the games are moving faster as it is right now. And I still like the umpire behind the plate.
1: (laughs) No, I hear you. I mean, it's, Hey, I think it's headed there. Um, I think there's reasons. uh, You know, We got gambling coming in a little bit more prominently. Uh, So, you know, I think there's a, a lot of things about absolutely getting the call. Right. But I'm with you. I, if it comes, you want it to be right or is that you want that technology to be as, you know, where you're not going to embarrass yourself, which is terrible calls and, and things like that are just going to hurt the credibility. Um, you know, so it would be interesting to see how th- that all unfolds. You know, Dave, got any questions?
0: Yeah. Our, so our, we have uh, a lot of pitching guys on on this podcast network. Dustin, Jim Cott, the Hall of Famer. Mark Wiley who's a pitching coordinator for the Indians and I believe the Marlins as well, Jim Rooney with the Brewers, uh, Will George who's a scout but long-time pitcher. Um but they are they 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 talk about all the the advent of these new names of pitches. So I want you to talk to them. if you, if you don't know about it that's fine but we see it out there and I mean every broadcast what the heck is the sweeper?
2: For me the the sweeper's just a better name for a slurve. Good. Well, you'll fit right in. They'll love you. That's exactly what they said. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's a put down when you call a pitch a slurve. I mean, I never thought so growing up, but it might, for me catching it, it's, it's a slurve. They're all, I mean, they're all sliders. One's just a little bit bigger on a different plane.
0: Yeah. And what,
2: what about with, you know, if you've caught
0: some you saw, caught some guys and, of course, you want to be respectful to the people you're working with. We don't want to share intimate stories. But um, on a positive note, what are some of the, the, the nastiest pitches you've had to catch uh, from some of the, I guess you, you've, you've caught many big leaguers. But uh, what, what are some of the nastiest pitches, pitches you've had to catch? Uh, and, and please, please name drop here if you feel like you, you want to.
2: So I was fortunate enough in 2015 and 16 to catch a Chapman with Cincinnati and people always talk about his fastball as fastball, but his off speed is nasty. I mean, he's throwing that 90 mile an hour, 93 mile an hour slider. Then he's got a changeup that moves the same way. The other, the other direction. I mean, that, that guy is nasty. <laughs> I mean, and just he's, he makes it look effortless too, which for you as a catcher, you're looking and you're like, oh, it's coming in nice and he's going nice and easy. And then it's just electric. Um, But his cha his changeup was filthy. A lot of people didn't know he just started throwing it again, but he did have a, when he came over from Cuba, he had a, a splitter that was pretty much a 90 mile an hour knuckleball which wow. he, quit, he quit throwing it because he didn't have much control over it. I mean, and I'm glad when I got there, he wasn't throwing it still because oh, I yes. didn't want to be catching a 90-mile-an-hour knuckleball. You're the one they're experimenting <laughs> on down there. So. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yes, I am that guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dustin, what does 102 feel, feel like or 105, whatever it, it, it is? Can you oh. you know tell? Got, I got – s-
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those that you need, you need to be locked in. I mean, if you blink when that ball is coming, you, you may get hurt. It's, it's a whole different animal, but being a catcher, you want to catch faster and faster. That's your main thing. You want to catch the best of the best. So for me, I'm a little nutty when it comes to that. I'm just like, bring it. I want it. Show me your best. I want to be able to catch it. I mean, I don't care how hard it is or where you throw it, bring it. I got you.
1: Well, I'm sure that makes the pitcher reassured, too. So that's, you know, that that's great advice, especially uh, young catchers out there hearing that, that if you're facing velocity, you know <laughs> be ready for it because that you know i hear i hear these stories on the amateur side i remember you know when one marlin prospect one time tyler Kolick. unfortunately for him he didn't really pan out but he he came out of texas throwing like a 102 and you just heard the horror stories about his catcher in high school like some high school kid just a regular catcher is catching 102 you know and it's like uh <laughs> that can't be a fun day at the, you know, you know, on the backfield or, or in the game as well. So, uh, you know, it's uh, great to hear that stuff. Uh, Dave, I think, you know, we're we're kind of getting close to, uh, you yeah, know, to wrapping Dustin this too. up, um, uh, you know, obviously Dustin in a couple of weeks, uh, tell me what you're doing in a couple of weeks, you'll be going to spring training and, uh, and, and, and for all the, the people that go out to, to, um, I think you're in Mesa, right? Spring
2: training. Yes, we are. We're in Mesa. Yeah. So I will be I will be arriving on the twelfth of February, um, and then I jump right in. I jump right into work. Um, I'm actually doing some as we speak. Not as we speak right now, but right after I get off here, I've been I've been rubbing up baseballs, getting ready for spring training right now. So I'm <laughs> at the tail end of sixteen cases that I have rubbed up in the last week. Which, That's awesome. if, pe- if people don't know, there are seventy-two baseballs in a case.
1: <laughs> if we, it's a shame we're not a video podcast and we had the visuals. <laughs> this could have been a really fun visual to see that. Uh, you know, Dustin, we're going to let you get to work. I know you're also, you know, busy with kids at home, um, and uh, you know, so oh, if you you want to add some stuff on your daily stuff, yeah, what's,
0: what's your daily oh, routine? Yeah. You yeah, so
2: the, the the daily routine from what we were talking about at the beginning was taking care of all the balls and all that stuff. But then the real stuff starts as far as pitchers' pitchers bullpen, starting pitchers' bullpen. I have to be out there to make sure all the cones are set up and that I play catch with them. I take them to the bullpen. From there, it's pitcher's stretch. So then I'll go play catch with whatever pitcher needs anything. Um and then I'll catch the flat grounds. So usually there's about five or six of them from the pitchers. Then there's the early work with the position players, which is ground balls, which I'll cover the bases. And then right after that, we have batting practice. I'll usually throw group one. So I'll get on there. And I, I guess that's my favorite thing to do is throw batting practice. It's, it's so much fun, especially in those big stadiums um after batting practice i just clean up everything that i brought down on the field as far as machines to baseballs and all the bags um and then and then we'll have our uh our scouting reports for the pitchers we'll all sit in our meeting room we'll go over all the pitchers or go over all the hitters for the team um and then they'll do a hitters meeting which will go over all the the pitchers that we may be facing um and then from there i just have a little bit for a shower and something to eat. And I go right back down for our pregame routine, which is getting the catcher, which was Shailene Lear. I would throw him through his routine if Marcus Jensen, which is our catching coach, was uh, busy doing something else. So we get the catcher through his whole pregame routine. And then me and my partner will play catch with uh, the starting pitcher and catcher. And then hopefully we, from there, we get a, been in break.
0: So what's the catcher's pre, what's the
2: catcher's routine, the pregame routine? That's what Tanner wanted to know. So he'll go through his, uh, his dry work. We'll work with the heavy ball. You'll roll it on the ground. You'll for, start at the bottom of the zone, pushing it up, working around the ball. Then you'll do some flips with the baseball, getting on two knees, working back and forth from both sides of the plate. Then you'll drop to one knee. Then you'll rotate the other knee because you do it one side, you got to be able to do it the other side. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we'll go into some blocking, uh, some footwork to second base, and then we'll do some receiving. Uh, from there, we'll go into playing catch. So he'll go through his throwing routine. Uh, at our level, it's very rare to see a starting ca- a catcher play catch with a starting pitcher just because of the workload. Pitchers tend to go a little bit further than what the starting catcher really needs, so yeah, we'll just play catch with them on their own, and then get them all ready for uh, for game time.
0: What's your glove of choice? What's your? I know you
2: probably. Uh, I don't know if so you can... I I like Rawlings, and I like the Yadier Molina uh, model. Um, I don't know the model of it off the top of my head, but it's it's a. It's one of the bigger gloves, but it's definitely very, very comfortable and it takes a beating. Yeah. Are you using um, a 34? Yes, I am. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> back when I played, it was like the smaller the glove you had, the better hands you had. And now just the velocity has gone up so much that I need those extra few inches to be able to uh, catch the ball now. That's but- that way with every position. That's uh- – a. I
0: started off with a probably an eleven and a half as a young kid, and by the time I was playing professional baseball, my glove was at ten, at ten and a half, ten and three quarters. We kind of scratched it out because it wasn't necessarily legal to use them that small. But uh, that's the one I like. Yeah, the better the hands the smaller, the glove. Now Tanner uses a thirty-two, but when he goes and catches, because we're down in a you know Myrtle Beach where those lots of college teams come in and play, we'll go down to the complex and he'll catch bullpens for the college pitchers coming in. And he used a 34 when he does that because, um, you know, he likes that extra padding. First time he did it with his 32, he felt it. it uh, yes. He said he, it. he was catch, catching with his
2: bare hands. Yeah, when you catch it wrong with one of those gloves, you just, yeah, you smoke your hand. You know, you start learning how to catch the ball right and then in the web <laughs> or in the pocket. <laughs>
1: Dustin, you got any, uh, any pointers for kids that want to get a new glove? I always – like being in the clubhouse and seeing catchers break a glove in, you know, any little pointers for, for kids to probably, you know, break in their glove?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I break in the majority of our catchers' gloves just because I like them game-ready. You can't – my biggest thing is you can't rush a glove. You can't rush to get a glove ready to game-ready. Just you'll – there's too many problems that will come with it. I, you just got to let the glove break in on its own. And just repetition of just catching the ball, pounding it with the mallet. Uh, I don't do any any dunking in water or anything like that. Um, I don't oil it until I need to tighten the laces. It's just keeping up with the maintenance on your glove is, is huge. I mean, to keep it in game shape for a long period of time. Um, I do the majority of our leather work for our players as well. So I'm the one. That relays the gloves and pretty much fixes whatever they need, but you can't, you can't, ru- you can't rush a good glove. You just got to let that time, let the time take its course, and the glove will be be game ready, and you'll have it for at least three to four years.
1: You know, you know, it's funny. Dustin, you say about the ballot, Because I can't tell you not to. Through the years, the number of catchers I talked to in spring that through the entire interview are, are using the mallet, you know, very informal, you know, beat writer just recording the conversation and in uh, and the catcher, boom, boom, with that big mallet, you know, just just reflexively. So I imagine uh, uh, that's just part of your reflex, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. and, <laughs> Uh, yeah, see I
2: mean, I carry I carry one of those around in my bag. Um, it's just that constant tool that you have. Um, yeah, it's a necessity. Another another tool that I actually used is last last spring training on breaking in a glove, which I found to work really well. Was feeding a ball through a pitching machine, and just okay. not squeezing the not squeezing the glove, just letting the ball hit it right in the pocket where you want it. And just do it over and over. You create that little bit of a pocket in there because you can get some velocity in there. And then the, the glove will start closing on its own a little bit. I mean, you know how stiff these catcher's gloves oh, are yeah, when absolutely. you first get them. You can barely yeah. close them.
1: That's interesting you noted about oiling because, you know, me, uh, position and, and catch when I was playing a little bit, it was always put that oil like, like right away uh, back in the day. So that was interesting. Why is that? You say you did it only when you're tightening.
2: Um, I just don't want to do too much leather. Uh, sorry, too much leather conditioner. Um, sometimes if you do too much, it can crack. Okay. Um, it can also weigh down the glove and you don't really want to make the glove any heavier. Um, I, I do the the glove conditioner I use is uh Lexol. Just the normal Lexol that you can buy at CVS or okay. your car, any leather cleaner. Um. But I just, when I first get a glove, I like to just let it run its course. And when I need to do the first tightening of the laces, then I'll oil it to make sure that when I tighten it, I oil it before, so the laces don't get all dried out. If that makes any sense, because you're you're constantly going to need to tighten that thing. But that first tighten, I think, is the most important. To where if you wait on oiling it. Then you can get all the dry spots at once, and then when you tighten it, it's pretty much a brand new glove yeah now you said oil do you
0: lexol uh shaving cream or saddle soap do you use either one of those uh no, I did not um Gosh, saddle soap so, like,
1: go back sixty years with
0: that stuff you that's your like I know I was at the I was yeah. talk i we have a Rawlings yeah. guy near us, so he and I talk all the time he's like he's a savant with leather care, leather cleaner and the stuff that you're using is now. And like when I played, it was, it was, uh, the same stuff you used on your face, shaving cream with lanolin. It was like the Barbasol, Mm -hmm. like a dollar, um, you could get at the dollar shop. And then, but way back, like when I talked to Ted Kubiak, he's saddle soap, saddle soap. He talks about that. So, um, yeah, it's generational with that stuff. And it, uh, I was curious, I now shaving cream, I would do it, but, uh, not overdo it because it could dry it out as you were talking about. The saddle soap kinda of gets it a little slick, kinda of greasy. It's for me as a former infielder, I didn't like that as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the I have not tried the Lexol yet. That's what he tried to give me the last time I was there. Um and I uh I resisted right away. I was like, ah it's, it's hard to get get out of old habits, but uh now that you mentioned it too I'll have to have to maybe try it out.
2: I highly suggest it and you don't need to use a lot either, which is very nice. Um Hey, one key to people that uh, are restringing gloves and d- are restringing an old glove with new lace is a key is to run. <laughs> so you just take a candle and use the candle wax and run the string, the lace through once on each side and it allows it to run through the holes without ripping it with the sharp corners. If that makes any sense. It doesn't work. So, Okay, so when relacing an old glove, you want to make sure that you put your leather strips that you're going to relace the glove with through candle wax. Like just not, not melted, just regular wax. Just run the lace once on both sides. So it will give a little wax film on the outside. So when you bring it through the old leather, the new leather and the sharp corners on the lace doesn't rip the glove. Okay, yeah. does it glide a little bit better? Uh, I
0: was thinking of burning candle, but that's... Yeah, that, uh, yeah that's no, what I was no. thinking, too. You saved yeah. the house?
2: No, no burning candle. I mean, unless you want one, but... No, no, no. You saved the
0: house fire. I appreciate
2: that. Yes. No, just any kind of wax, you just kind of run it through once on each side, and it puts a little coating over it, so the new leather won't rip the old leather. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That,
1: Dustin, that's what makes our podcast special. How many podcasts talk about breaking in a glove, using candle wax to string a glove? You know, we we bring the, the real hard-hitting stuff to our audience. But I find it's <laughs> it's very fascinating. I hope our audience finds these inside tips very helpful, because this is the stuff that's being used at the highest level. Uh, we've taken up enough of Dustin's time. Um, uh, Dave, any final thoughts? And, and Dustin, any final
0: comments before we get out of here? I'll let Dustin go first as the guest here.
2: I mean, My biggest thing is for all the kids listening out there, just enjoy this game. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Easier said than done. I put a ton of pressure on myself. But just realize this game isn't going to be around forever, and it goes by really quick. Just enjoy that your teammates, your coaches, everyone's out there to make sure that you succeed. And just enjoy your time playing this game. Yeah, no, I think it's a great, great message to kids. We have a lot of kids in the audience. Uh, I
0: mean, Little League Baseball has been a big supporter of ours. So appreciate you sharing your journey, too, because it's a unique perspective on the game that we haven't had yet. And I I love that you uh, – I love how you articulate it, and we appreciate you. Thanks so much, Dustin, for coming on. Joe, I'll let you close our, us out here on Episode 415.
1: Yeah, again, thanks to Dustin Hughes. Uh, great inside – bullpen catcher, uh, for the Oakland A's. Thanks so much, Dustin, for being here and, um, and good luck in spring training and, um, and good luck to the, to the A's and have a, a safe and great travels when you get out there. Uh, to Dave D'Agostino, thanks for all you do. Great, great job again today. And, uh, to our audience, you know, thank you guys. I mean, you're helping us grow. Uh, we are literally the, uh, real voices of this game. You know, we, we, Bring you all different perspectives, and we're honored to do so today with Dustin Hughes as our as our guest. We'll be back next week uh, with another podcast, and uh listen to all the shows on all on the network. And with that, I'm Joe Forsaro man on second end. We are out of here. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. baseball. Klazowski, Campanella, talking baseball. baseball.
2: The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke.